Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet in snowy Mono County. I'm your host, Stacy, and with me is... <laughs> Co-host Christopher, and with us, of course, is, as always, is our uh, support and our lo- our loyal friend and expert producer and person who puts up with everything and is probably going to march out of the room right now, <laughs> producer Doug. Hey, Doug. Hi, Doug. I would never march out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really? I hope you didn't speak too soon. <laughs> you haven't heard the rest of the episode yet. <laughs> We're glad you're here. We are glad you're here. Always glad we have your support. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. You know what? I'm kind of cracking up right now because we said smiles before we started talking so that the tone would come out right. And we were both grinning madly at each yes. other while you were opening like, the episode. Like pumpkins. Like you pumpkin know, like smiles. all the pumpkins that we just carved <laughs> because it was just Halloween. But we're in November now and this is a big food month. So we kind of have a little bit of a foodie theme for yeah. this episode. I'm down with that. Yeah. It's going to make I like me hungry. It. Yeah. And hopefully Me it'll too. make some of our listeners hungry. Yeah, I hope so. We maybe haven't. maybe they'll send us food. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> we like your feedback and your food. And your food. Yeah. So we thought we would talk chat a little bit about like a culinary adventure. Yeah, to today. kick it off. So, you know, what are some of our favorite restaurants? Um, or where is the the newest restaurant that we've eaten lately in the Eastern Sierra. So yeah. Christopher, you start. Yeah. Cause we just had one. It's been around a little bit. It's down in Bishop. It's mm-hmm. the uh, Mercado Mexico. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very simple, but really flavorful place for like to go food, like tacos, street tacos, burritos, molita, tortas, soups, baked goods. Yum. They do these really great refreshing fruit juice slushy drinks that Uh are awesome, especially during the summer. Um, And they have uh, outside seating next to the market, which is really nice. It's got like tables with umbrellas and stuff like that, which in Bishop you need. Yeah. Um, And it's just kind of this really relaxed vibe. But what is excellent, because I went there for the first time this last weekend, Uh um, is the food is so good. I love street tacos, right? Right. And I'm pretty simple. So I always get the carne asada from whichever Mexican restaurant is making it. And this was just so spiced, so delicious and succulent. And, you know, everything was really super fresh and really, really tasty. And you can tell because when you walk into the market, it's also a market. Oh, I was going to ask. So is there like a market side by side the restaurant? I love those kinds of places. No, exactly. Right. It reminds me a lot of bodegas in New York. The the produce and everything there is also just like very top notch. It's like really just a beautiful little market actually and send you there just to buy stuff. Um, But it translates into, you know, beautiful, simple food, which if you want a casual out of the way place Mm -hmm. um, that isn't like, you know, 
a heavy formal dining experience. Right. Um, you just want to kind of grab some nice, fresh, good for you food mm-hmm. and hang out and meet up with friends. It's right around the corner from Great. It's on Warren Street. It's right around the corner from Great Basin Bakery, which oh, okay. many of yeah. our listeners I know yes. already know about. It has yeah. an international reputation of its own, and so you kind of get like this crowd that probably utilizes both. Mm-hmm. But you know, we went there and we're just hanging out. My husband and I were just chatting and catching up amongst ourselves. And and during the course of, it's typical Eastern Sierra, right? During right. the course of the hour we were there, we ended up being there like two and a half hours because there were so many friends. Right. That exactly. You ran into, See everybody right? you know. Yeah. And it was just a really great dining experience. You know, that's, that's cool. I'm not the, I'm not the white tablecloth and candelabra dining experience guy. Yeah. You know, I appreciate those places. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of like, you know, can I show up in sweats and eat some really good food and see some good people? And so this one hit the bill. It's Mercado Mexico. It's down in Bishop. You can look it up on the website or Google it or what have you, but I, I highly recommend it to people. We're going to give it a try. I'm Next time we go down to meet you guys for lunch we'll or dinner, we'll have to go there. What about you, Stace, if you were recommending a restaurant to folks this week? Well, I have to go by my tried and true, the bar at Convict Lake. <laughs> <laughs> the restaurant's wonderful, it but is. that's a different experience. Mm-hmm. But my husband and I, we love, and we and we all four have gone there yeah. together. Um, we love to go to the bar at Convict Lake. And you can order off their full menu in the bar, but... The bar is this laid back, you know, you just go in your jeans or even your sweats or, you know, what have you, or you can walk right off the lake from fishing and go in there and have a gourmet meal. Isn't that amazing? And in the summer times, this actually, this has just ended for this year, but Mm -hmm. starting for the duration of fishing season, they make wood fired pizzas, Mm. which are so good. They do such a good job. It's got, you know, that thin wood fired crust and you can have all sorts of toppings there. The pizzas that they design are really good too. And, you know, for us, it's kind of become like our cheers. Nice. So, you know, we know everybody, we know the bartender, we know the, the waiter and the waitress and, you know, they become like friends over, over all these years. And now that her kids are grown up, we go there more often. <laughs> <laughs> so so when we you, really know these people. So is it like cheers when they, when you walk in the door, they all go Stace, and then you make some snarky quip as you I, sit down at the bar. I wish I was that popular and like that well known, <laughs> but no, it's not like quite that level, but. The, you know, I was there a couple of weeks ago with a, with one of my friends and the waiter, Steve, came over. He's like, where's your husband? You know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm calling all these people. Oh, Penny, the bartender, yeah. you know, can we get the wine list or, you know, what have you? And she's like, how do you know all their names? I'm like, because I'm here all the time. <laughs> it's your second kitchen. Yeah, it's really, and it's just fun and um, you know, like I said, the food is like it, food wise, it couldn't be more different right. than, than the, than Mercado. the Mercado. But, um, you know, they, their, their menu, like if you go to eat in the restaurant, it's a very different experience. The restaurant you, you dress up and right. it's an occasion and you know, it's a thing. It's typically where we go in our families for everybody's birthdays. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll share, Tessa and I will share the ribeye and mm-hmm. it's always cooked to perfection. The, the duck that they serve is amazing. You really can't go wrong with any menu item. Right. And, and 
then there's the other factor of it doesn't change. Yeah. You know, with the exception of having pizza in the bar or not, <laughs> that's the only difference like throughout the year. And there's something comforting about that. I think there is. I'm glad that you brought that up because, uh, not to go off on a tangent, when you said, you know, going to the bar rather than the restaurant, mm-hmm. Wills and I, when we lived in New York, we did that regularly because you didn't need a reservation, but you right. could still get the same food. Yep. And we don't mind eating at a bar or right. at a small two-top, you know? Yeah. Um, and often it just led to some really great conversations and meeting other people. So it was yep. kind of an experience every time. But also we we... You know, at the end of the day, you have like the three or four places that you go to because they don't change. They're the right. comfort place. They're the thing you know what you're going to get. And, and, right. and, you know, inevitably when one of them closes or what have you, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's like losing a family member almost. And <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it really is. And Not that Convict Lake should be closing anytime soon. No. And I don't think there's any chance of that because that place is always hopping, hopping always. But, you know, I... Eat, you know, talking about eating at the bar. I love eating at the bar mm-hmm. in any in any restaurant. You know, we go to Vegas. You know, when we've gone, I love going picking a steakhouse there and just going to sit at the bar yeah. and eat. And I find that it the conversation with the bartender, however much or little you have, the people around you, it just changes the atmosphere and makes it a little more fun and exciting than, you know, like sitting at, at a table. Less formal. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that aspect of it. So. Well, those are two good restaurants. Yeah. And very kind of different ends of the spectrum and. The bar at Convict Lake. The bar at Convict Lake. And the Mercado Mexico in Bishop. Yeah. So listeners, if you, if you haven't been, check them out and let us know what you think. And if you have been, let us know what you think about your experiences there and what other places can you recommend for Christopher and me and Wills and Joe to check out? We want to hear from you. <laughs> and we will be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We're at the Be the Book portion of the podcast, and we're continuing along with the cookery culinary eating kind of theme, right? Well, it is November. And my mouth is already salivating. It's Thanksgiving. It is. It's, you know, we've got Thanksgiving coming up and then the, the holidays immediately thereafter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Unless you walk into, you know, the Target or something and it's already Valentine's Day probably. I, yeah. <laughs> We're right on to candy. At any rate, this time, I think we've done this one or two times in the past, mm-hmm. we chose to talk about cookbooks. Yeah. I, th- I think... I love cookbooks. I do too. And I'm notorious in my family for buying the cookbooks and making one recipe and then we (laughs) never pick it up again. Um, But I keep buying them. Well, it doesn't stop you, right? You need inspiration. It does. And it's it's fun. I like to read them, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just interesting to me. Yeah. And we're both kind of like, Food nerds. Food nerds. We watch the Bake Off and all that other stuff. It's our favorite show. 
It is. This is what yeah. we are nerds. We text each other about that. We do. Uh, stays. <laughs> before we so go pathetic. off. <laughs> before we go off on that tangent. No, they're good people. Let's they are. let's talk about the cookbook that you chose. Okay, so I chose an older cookbook. It's called Run Fast, Eat Slow. Mm-hmm. It was published in 2016, and it was written by Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kopecki, and. Shalane Flanagan is actually not a chef or a cook or she is an eater. <laughs> she, <laughs> She's one of but, us. But profe- yeah. <laughs> by profession, she is a marathoner. She is a professional runner. She is an Olympic medalist. Awesome. She finished second in the New York City Marathon in 2010 wow. and recorded the fastest time ever by an American in the 2014 Boston Marathon. Um, so wow. she's quite, quite talented. Um, her friend and former college buddy, uh, Elise Kopecki is a chef and a food writer and a nutrition educator mm-hmm. and a mom. They're actually both moms now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shalane has had a child or two since this book came out. Um, and they were on the cross country team together at the university of North Carolina, Post-graduation, they were getting together. They were having kind of a reunion dinner and talking about food and eating and decided to write this book. So it has all of the rest. The subtitle is Nourishing Recipes for Athletes. So all of these recipes have kind of a, you know, hyper nutrition bend, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a whole lot of meat in these recipes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's fish and there's some chicken, but it's mostly plant-based recipes, which I always add meat to because my family, if it's, if there's no meat in it, it's not the, it's not a meal. (laughs) (laughs) It's a garnish. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a side dish. (laughs) So. But it's performance food. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I have actually in this cookbook, it's all, I have it in front of me and it's got all these pink little flags. I noticed that. Recipes. And I have not made all the recipes Mm -hmm. that I have flagged, but I have made most of them. So this is a very well-loved cookbook. Um, in your house, in our house, yeah. What is like? What are some of the recipes so, you've made? Well, well, some of the favorites that I've made is there's a recipe for for what she calls superhero muffins, and they have their main ingredients are um, zucchini, shredded zucchini, and shredded carrots mm. and walnuts, and it's got almond flour, and they are they're so delicious. Um, they are. <laughs> They're a little tedious to make because it requires the Cuisinart and the whole, you know, all these different pieces to pull it all together, but it's worth it. And you can make like a hundred muffins with one recipe. Are they like a healthier version of zucchini bread and carrot cake? I think that's the idea behind them. Um, But yeah, they're, they're really good. And my, and my fam, you know, for me, I love to make things like that, Mm -hmm. but what happens is I make them and nobody eats them except me. And I don't... Well, bring them in. I the don't library. need to do that. So, <laughs> Well, the last... When I made pumpkin muffins last time, I did bring them in. You did. Those so, were very good. Um, but these muffins my family actually eats and they'll eat them for breakfast and they'll eat them for a snack. That's so it's, it's worth it. Um, there are some other recipes that I've made a bunch. The recovery quinoa salad is got 
quinoa and kale and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just got all these really good ingredients, really healthy ingredients. I make this all the time in the summer. Yeah. First of all, because it, I can take it to work like mm-hmm. every day for a week. Right. You know, I know meal prepping is a right. thing, but yeah. this is like before meal prepping existed. Right. <laughs> you know, you make this salad and you could have it every day. But if I add like chicken to it, it's a meal. Yeah. You know, it's a whole meal. And I make this a lot when I have girlfriends over for lunch or for dinner because everybody likes it. Yeah. And it's healthy and it's filling and... Sounds like something my my other half would eat a lot of. I think like Will's would like it a lot. Yeah. It's it's real. It's pretty easy to put together. And the other thing about serving it when I have people over is I can make it ahead. I can make it mm-hmm. like the day before, right. and then just dress it when people get there, and then I can have fun with people that are are coming over instead of like being stuck in the kitchen, running back and forth between exactly. The kitchen. So. And then the most recent, there are a few others that I've made, but um, the last one that I'll talk about is the recipe I made two nights ago, and that's the penne with roasted butternut squash and sage brown butter. Ugh, so, my mouth is watering already. <laughs> that was really good. And and I added some ground meat mm-hmm. to it, to, mm-hmm. you know, for the protein factor. But um, I had never made uh, brown butter like for a sauce mm-hmm. before and it was I was a little nervous about it but it turned out really good. What is, so describe for those of us including me who don't know what brown butter is. So it's it's basically you take the butter and you cook it slowly until it turns brown and when it turns brown you know it's melted and then the color changes. So like is it like you, caramelizing or something? It it's it's like cooking the fats of okay. the butter, so it changes the the nature of the taste. So oh, okay. it gives it like a nutty oh, wow. kind of taste. But you know, never having done it before, I was afraid I was going to burn it. You know, am I going to cook it long enough? And you know, it's a very exact timing kind of thing. Like you can't leave it. Really, because it you, sounds like something I do by mistake all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I think. You know, okay. you got to like really watch it. Yeah. And then you throw the sage in mm. off the heat and the, the perfume, you know, it's just like, smell. it was so good. Um, Tessa thought it was a little bland, like she would have liked some garlic or, but I'm allergic to garlic. So Aww. I don't, I don't use it very often. And if I do, I only use a little, a little bit, bit of it. Um, but she's like, yeah, some, some red hot peppers would have been good. Or, you know, if you had cooked some spices in the meat, that would have been, but she had two poor servings (laughs) (laughs) and my husband had two servings. So I think it was a hit and it's definitely, it was so comforting. I love butternut squash. And it is our, it is the new favorite ingredient in our house right now. Yeah. Because we saw on TikTok. Of course, the they did somebody did a recipe for a butternut squash pasta, where the butternut squash actually is pureed into a sauce. Oh wow! And it's heaven. It is our we've had it twice already. It is our favorite new favorite 
dinner. We did a lot of acorn squash during the pandemic shutdown, you know, the Parmesan. Yes. And, and I love that, but butternut squash is also so good. I love butternut squash soup for it's, sure. Oh, it's just so comforting. And listeners, we should note, we made it 14 minutes into the episode before TikTok was first mentioned Sorry. by Stacey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I'm just teasing that's you. Don't fine, apologize. <laughs> I there, couldn't resist. There is a lot of good recipes on TikTok these days, people. No, Check and it out. I will I will reveal my own fault in the minute here. But um, you know what I love about you said about this cookbook earlier on when you were describing the two of them. They they met up, you know, they obviously had a relationship, right? right. Good friends, what yeah. have you, and then decided to write a cookbook. Like, could you imagine the two of us just like we talk about food all the time. Just like <laughs> we wouldn't be able to just like let's, let's write a cookbook. I wouldn't. It would even, be the worst cookbook on the planet. It, it would be. I mean, it it yeah. I th- I think writing a cookbook is so much more difficult than right. people give others. You know, those that do write cookbooks credit for. And I think that's why I get a little annoyed when like these like random celebrities do a cookbook, you know, because it's like, well, really, what do you know about cooking? Right. And TikTok is the venue for that. Yeah. Right. You know, you you could be a normal person and share, you know, you could just be a really good home cook Mm -hmm. and share a recipe that you love on TikTok. And that's, I think, an appropriate venue. But to, you know, use your celebrity to talk about something you don't know anything about. I don't. Don't <laughs> or you have your nutritionist do for you. Right. I mean, the thing is what you got there is, excuse me, and you said you like to read cookbooks. Yeah. yeah. Of course you have to test the recipes up one side and down the other, but then the random person off the street in middle America has, has to be able to interpret it yeah. the way you want them to Absolutely. interpret it. And that just seems so challenging. Absolutely. An, an unheralded part of writing a cookbook. It, 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 it truly is. And I really want to hear your cookbook, Christopher, but I just have to tell it since you brought up writing a cookbook. I worked at a school um, right at the beginning of my career Mm -hmm. and they were, their PTO or PTA had put together a cookbook for sale for a fundraiser. And one of the, I was getting married and one of the secretaries gave me a copy of that cookbook for a wedding gift, which I still have. But I go to make a recipe one day and it's like, there's no measurements. <laughs> it's all like, a cu- you know, butter. They, they, they did, when they edited it, they forgot the measurements. So I'm like, <laughs> it's like an try- episode of technical from Great British Bake Off. It, but I mean, I, I share that, right? <laughs> I share that because it just shows you it's not easy right. to write a cookbook. You know, not anybody can do it. Yeah. So. And I'm sure you probably in your home yeah. have like pass down recipes. I know my mother totally. has a box of from her mother yep. and her mother, and it's a lot of a dash of this and a palm right. full of that. Yeah. And you're like, really? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That is hilarious. Like the Italians say, quanto basta? <laughs> you know, how, how much? Well, whatever's enough. Quanto yeah, basta right, is exactly. whatever you need. And, um, and I'm the opposite for you on garlic because that question is always like, okay, more garlic, more <laughs> garlic, more garlic. I'll remember when I'm cooking for you. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Tell us about your cookbook. And I'm so excited that you have one. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few. Um, I, I, uh, 
uh, it's that time of year, right? We're nesting. The yeah. time has changed. You know, we're more time at home. Yeah. Some of us have wood fires or pellet stoves. Mm-hmm. We want to sit down and, and have comfort food. And so for this year, my cookbook is just an inch full of comfort food recipes, which means a lot of baking. Yes. But more than that as well, it is the Hebridean Baker by Connach McLeod. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I should have Googled it before the recorded, but uh, we'll have the link in the webpage and Instagram so you can go in and find it. It's a good Scottish Hebridean name though, right? There's the, the clan yeah. the cloud is right there. He started as a TikTok sensation. Well, there so, you go. You know, mea culpa. Um, but it got him a cookbook deal. And I actually, I discovered That's it awesome. through Instagram because I think he takes his oh. TikToks and puts them on Instagram okay. for us older folks. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. And he's just released a newer cookbook as well, um, which I don't have. And I know he just, since COVID is over, he just traveled to the States a few months ago over the summer to promote this Hebridean Baker cookbook. And the turnout was amazing around. I was following him. And um, so he's got quite a global following. It's kind of, um, you know, it's... (laughs) it's Scottish cooking. So, you know, it's my, my heritage and it's kind right. of a running joke that a good Scottish meal should, you know, sink right to the pit of your stomach where it will heavily weigh on your soul through the day <laughs> and help keep you planted, you know, during the strong gusts of wind coming off the North Sea. But in reality, the opposite is true. Those of us in the know, when it's cooked well, and that's always the issue, it's it's often very moist and light or very, very flavorful, although it does use a lot of dense ingredients that you would mm-hmm. normally find in that kind of right. northern hemisphere, you know, a lot of yeah. oats, a lot of butter, a lot of treacle. Scottish cooking is actually really remarkably varied, and it, you know, there are really great... Um, amazing restaurants in Edinburgh and Glasgow and other places. So you can't really just automatically lump it in with a kind of boiled beef English cooking reputation. Um, You know, if you think of whiskey and salmon and lobster and venison and mutton and all the great root vegetables and what have you, um, you know, there's a reason that the people go up and play golf and spend the summer shooting deer in (laughs) in Scotland, right? right? The food is really, really good. And yes, there is haggis, which gets a bad rap from a lot of squeamish Americans, usually because they're, you know, we are usually used to only eating that kind of stuff in hot dog form. Um, And it's often cooked poorly. It can be easily Mm -hmm. messed up, but a haggis cooked really well is actually very tasty. And he includes a vegetarian version in this cookbook, which I have to try because I live in a vegetarian household. I just haven't done so yet. Um, And also I should say he intersperses the recipes with short tidbits and history about the Scottish Hebrides, which for those of you who aren't familiar with them, they're the islands off the west coast of Scotland, directly facing the Atlantic, um, strong Viking Norwegian background. Um, And because they were remote, they're always a little bit wild and a lot and kind of untamed in a mm-hmm. way. And there's a lot of history. That they're unbuilt over too. So there's so a lot of history can, still there. Can you visit them? Oh yeah. Okay. All the ferries and planes yeah. and what have you. And they all have boats. If you follow him on TikTok, okay. you know, he and his family, they, they have a farm and all this other uh-huh. stuff and they have lobster pots and they're always out on the boats, you know, getting lobster and you're like, oh my wow. gosh. Um, so, you know, some of the recipes in here that I've made, shortbread, of course, that's the main that's thing. That's standard. <laughs> right. Scotland gave the world. <laughs> he kicks the cookbook off with it. The thing that I want to talk about is the Clutie dumpling, which is a traditional Christmas desert dessert in my home. Um, my mother has a Clutie dumpling recipe from her family passed down for generations. And it's, you know, every Christmas in my mom's house, you know, it smelled like this dumpling, which is a very sweet, cinnamony, sugary kind of dumpling. He uses a different word called duff 
um, which is the Gaelic word for it. Um, and he doesn't make up his own recipe. He's smart enough to use his aunt's recipe. It's a very traditional oh, okay. kind of family pass these things down bake. And he actually includes a picture of his aunt, which is just, she's just super cute, oh, right? so cute. Um, a clute is a dishcloth or a towel uh, that the sweet, wet dough is wrapped up in, tied, and boiled in water for three hours, then dried out in the oven. And in our house, my mom uses a pillowcase, <laughs> and she places a coin or a trinket inside, because at Christmas time, there's always got to be a lucky person who gets oh. the coins, kind of like the three so king's it, cake. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like the king's cake at Mardi Gras. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's also really, really dense, but it's moist and it's it's sweetened with cinnamon and treacle, which again, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a very, very dark molasses. So dark, it's almost bitter alongside wow. the sweet. So, And treacle features a lot in Scottish yeah. baking. Um, so you kind of have to be careful with it because it's easily, I've learned, way down the result. Um, but I've cooked a few other things. Sticky toffee pudding, which I always ordered online at Christmas time in New York and, yeah. and even out here because I love sticky toffee pudding. is really... Sweet. Is and it like gooey. a custard? No, it's kind of. It's you can put custard on it. Some oh. people do, but it's it's like a very wet cake, very caramelly tasting. But it's made with figs, and inside there's like always a sticky oh. part inside that's just kind of like melted fig, and it's really delicious. And I always thought, like, who can make this? And actually, this recipe is actually quite easy. So um, I've done that. And then my favorite, I was telling you before yeah. we recorded, is this one he created called the Fig and Ginger Crumble, which is super simple. And it uses fresh figs and fresh ginger steeped in ginger tea. And it's just a fruit crumble. Like, you bake it with a, you know, like, like a crumble and, on, yeah, top. on top. I definitely want that recipe. It's so good when it's really, really cold outside. Yeah. Um, and then just have some tea with it. You know, a lot of this stuff you can easily have whiskey or tea with. Yeah. And he gives, there are cocktail recipes. There's meat recipes in here for those of you who want to cook salmon or venison mm -hmm. in the Scottish style. There's a lot of stuff in here. Um, and I've ordered a copy for the library. So by nice. the time this episode comes out, there should be a copy you can check out from us. It's The Hebridean Baker by Connick McLeod, Recipes and Wee Stories from the Scottish Islands. Well, it's a very pretty cookbook, and he is very pretty too. Yeah, I should say the blurb on the front of the cookbook is very Scottish, sexy, very Outlander. So those of you who <laughs> like Outlander, he stands there, and he's always wearing a fur cap and a kilt. So it's kind of like his look. Um but yeah, I think both of our cookbooks, very different, but both very, really great picks. Yeah, and you know, the run fast, eat slow is, you know, the recipes are really fairly easy. So Yeah, I definitely that be makes a that big out. difference too. Well, readers, let us know what cookbooks you're using these days and stick around and we'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure books, and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. Welcome back, listeners, to the conversation part of our podcast. And today we are so happy to have with us Mr. Alonzo Escobar, man about town, Mammoth Unified School Board president, manager of the eatery, 
everything. Every former <laughs> student of mine, which I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Welcome, Alonzo. Thank you for Welcome. joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. We're glad you're here. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> How's it going? It's going. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Um, it just snowed. So yes. That's, that's a lot. Season. I mean, yeah. quite a bit for the mountain's going to open yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're recording this a little bit early and it is going to open the mountains opening early it's early right that's what yeah. I it is early yeah. yeah a week a week early and we're supposed to get another snowstorm coming in on sunday it's friday when we record or it's thursday today when we're recording this we're supposed to get another storm coming in on monday so winter's kicking off to a good start yeah it's great yeah, yeah. it's definitely a nice change of pace <laughs> yes <laughs> i think we're all ready for it i think so it's always that I, I just had this conversation with a couple of my coworkers where towards the end of the season you're just waiting for the next one because we have that privilege of the seasons changing right yes. that you're just like i need the next one because it like it's almost a re birth yeah <laughs> we, like begin again we yeah. have now winter is here and everything that happened during fall you can kind of just toss aside <laughs> unless you need to carry it with you until that's, the next season that's such a pos- i love that positive way of looking at it and i love you know i grew up in the midwest so i grew up with the change of seasons mm-hmm. and i have to admit when i moved to california <laughs> and i moved to southern california not having that yeah. was a little disconcerting right so not being here now I've really embraced the the change, even though I don't like driving. <laughs> well, we all drive carefully. Yeah. You know what I like about it, especially, you know, we're a mountain town and a resort town and the change of season brings a change of people to the yeah. town too, which is also kind of cool Definitely. to your point, Alonzo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's interesting too, you know, working in restaurants, the people that like, you know, the, the change in seasons and the change in like activities that we get to do, it right. definitely is a change of the type of and group of humans we get, you know, we just went through summer and the end of fall. So we had a lot of Europeans in town, for example. Yeah. Right. And it's, you know, the first year that we had a large group of them, which was really cool that they have come back, you know, now that a lot of the um, regulations for travel have simmered. Right. So it's been pretty I, I love Europe and Europeans. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't in the restaurant <laughs> industries, but I I always really love that group of um, people coming. Well, it's also I, so what, one of the thing one of the things I like about it because I miss New York for this reason is the accents. Yes, <laughs> right. It's yeah. Like, oh yeah, there are people from different parts of the globe all sharing a room. It's wonderful. I, I think that's how. I, so I was grocery shopping last weekend. And I think every aisle that I went down, I could hear a different, either a different language or a different accent. Yep. And because there's such a variety of, of people in town still um, from across the pond. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. And that's something like growing up here that we don't really appreciate is the amount of different groups of people that we get. Mm-hmm coming to Mammoth and coming to our resort town, you know, just from winter to summer and the differences in what they want to do. But just we have so many varieties and diverse groups of people that visit us and it kind of makes us a little different because we are so rural and so small, but we have so many groups and different people coming up here that we experience culture in a different way than most other small rural towns. Right. Yeah. So what was it like? You, you've lived here, you're, your whole life. 
Yeah. I mean, pretty yes. much. I lived in Southern California. I got my um, BA from UCLA. So I spent time down there in LA and in San Diego. So what you were talking about but, <laughs> being in Southern California, yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Um, so growing up in Mammoth was wild, but in like a great way, but and also in a way that you don't really necessarily appreciate where you're at and mm-hmm. the, the activities you do. And if you don't have parents who go hiking, for example, you don't do those kind of things until you're older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you start kind of like really getting the needs for what you want to do and what you want to get from Mammoth. Right. And, you know, it was interesting growing up with the same people mm-hmm. for your almost your whole life. From like right. <laughs> 1 to 18, you have yeah. the same group of people that you're always around. And I am very lucky that I'm still very close with a lot of those mm-hmm. people. You know, there's still some of my best friends. I just got to travel with a few of them because we're all turning 30 this year. So, <laughs> I can't believe it. That year. makes me so, I feel so old here. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I get that too because I've worked in schools for ten years now, yeah. on and off. So I, my kindergartners are that my first group of kindergartners that I ever worked with are now juniors in high school, <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm still young. Yeah. <laughs> and Stacy's sitting there saying, "Get used to it." Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I know because Stacy. I think I met Stacy when I was what in fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade was when you became our principal, mm-hmm. and yeah. I loved Stacy. Yeah, I loved Stacy. Mm-hmm. We um she did the newspaper. We had a newspaper. We did then. a newspaper, and I, I just, I loved hanging out with Stace. Well, Aww. likewise, <laughs> likewise. Well, we that, had yeah. so we had so. I think we had more fun like doing other things than the newspaper than actually doing the newspaper, which we yeah. did. <laughs> but but we did other we did other things too. Yes, yeah. We did art projects, and it was it. You know, doing that was an opportunity for me to to hang out with kids like Alonzo and and connect and have fun. Yeah. Well, that's something that I think growing up in Mammoth, going through the school system here that, that I have really appreciated is you do have these educators who guide you through the entirety of your, your mm-hmm. education. It's not just, you know, I had you in first or second grade and then you're gone. And I see that as, you know, someone that is in education here, I still th- see these kids and now I like employ some of them, you know, yeah. they're, they're my kids that I work <laughs> yeah. with, but also just, you know, you have like the guardian angels that are like mm-hmm. Stace and, you know, all these teachers that you remember and then you see out and about and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you, you were my teacher in this grade and they still ask about you and they still are interested and they still care. And that's probably one of the most remarkable things about growing up in Mammoth is having these humans who follow you on your path yeah. and really, really, really care. Is that one of the things that inspired you to do what you're doing with the schools today? Yes, to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very unconventional <laughs> path that led me to what exactly I'm doing. We'll Tell talk us about, about that. So I am on the Mammoth Unified School Board. I decided to run for the board 2020 during our lockdowns. Um, yes, <laughs> it was... I thought it was a good choice at the time, <laughs> and I'm still really happy I did it. I, yeah. I have no regrets. It, it's been a it's been a wild ride, but I decided to leave the education field, and that was my way of kind of remaining um, on with this these kids mm-hmm. and with the staff and the family I created at MUSD. I 
applied for a different master's program and got in and decided that I didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the time, in my head, I was like, I can always go back. Yeah. I, can, yeah. I think of Ms. Hartman. Ms. Hartman got her. Yes. Teaching credential when she was 40. So yeah. this was a kindergarten teacher. That okay. Was to <laughs> contact. Um, and so I just kind of thought, okay, how do I, you know, this is a two-year program. How do I, you know, keep, you know, how do I still remain in the school system? And so I was like, I can run for the board and, you know, have a different perspective on the board and, mm-hmm. you know, bring something into it that's different. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope I have. Um, I... It's like I said, it's been a wild ride having to deal mm-hmm. with, you know, the pandemic and mm-hmm. this unprecedented time. But so now I'm I'm not um, in the education field as regarding my career, mm-hmm. but I still get to, you know, participate, participate in and, this way yeah. and contribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is you, I'm sorry, what are you studying for your graduate degree so i am doing a master's in international relations awesome mm-hmm. i'm doing it through a university in washington dc called american university mm-hmm. um stacy wrote one of my recommendations <laughs> <laughs> happy um, to do so like i said we have guardian angels here. <laughs> what drew um, you to that so that's what i got my um undergrad in mm-hmm. and you know it was this interest in culture and politics and the combination of both i also really appreciated that it was interdisciplinary Mm -hmm. so i was able to kind of jump into everyone else's major and not necessarily have my own like i had my i probably had three or four classes that were just international relations Mm -hmm. everything else was like jumping into the anthropology or sociology track or political science so i i got to do more and that Mm -hmm. was what really drew me to it and then i graduated and wanted nothing to do with school (laughs) (laughs) i like all my friends were like what internships are we applying for what are we doing and i was like i'm going back to mammoth and i really (laughs) want to be a server (laughs) because i really wanted to travel right and i knew that you could do that in mammoth in that capacity i was like i'll live with my parents for two years right one year two we'll see and i will just get to travel and i did I i moved back and i would go somewhere every other month, whether it was a foreign country or just somewhere in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I got to do that for a year and a half before I was like, okay, you know, I think I got convinced. I got yeah. convinced to be a teacher because everyone's like, you sh- you're really good at it. You should do it. You you connect with the kids. And uh-huh. I kind of thought, okay, like, yeah, I, I enjoyed being back in Mammoth enough to kind of pursue that. And I started that program. Again, Stacy wrote a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... I, you know, then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And um, it was a really hard time for everyone. Uh, My family got, we were dealt a large blow because we lost our dad to it. Mm. And. Who was the best guy? I have to say. He was, he was a really cool guy. And he had such a cool history. Yeah. um, And kind of, you know, made it so that my sisters and I, like, had this wanderlust. um, Terrific. Growing up, we always want like we always wanted to go to all these amazing places because you know my dad got to do that, yeah. and then mm-hmm. he ended up coming to the U.S. and stayed here, met my mom, settled down in Mammoth, and gave us this really cool upbringing where we still got to travel a lot. That's great. And so during the pandemic, when we were all like stuck, I was kind of <laughs> just like <laughs> really <laughs> having to you know decide what yeah. exactly like do I want to be a teacher, right? 
do I want to do that? My sister is a teacher mm-hmm. uh, in our school system, and she got to actually deal with like the actual teaching of it mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And I really decided that I would go back and pursue what I wanted to do, which was, you know, to work um, for the State Department, essentially, and yeah. try to be a diplomat is what I'm trying to do. And that's my end game. Awesome. Um, but it was during that time where I was like, I just need, I need to realize it. And I accidentally applied to this program asking for more um, information. Uh-huh. And I got like the counselor called me and she was like, you should apply. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I, just, I do this every so often, just kind of looking at different master programs. Right. I don't know. And she's like, well, we'll waive your fee so you wouldn't do any, like you wouldn't lose anything. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> but then it was like a kind of like I had a week. Yeah. Right. And I was very lucky that Stace and um, another educator in town were willing to just go in there and be like, hey, can you, um, can you, can you write me a new recommendation right. letter? I need reference letters. Right. I need to like submit everything in a week and including essays and such. And I, did, I finished it and then I was like, okay, done. And then I looked into the program (laughs) and was like, oh, this is a really good program. I don't think I'll get in. Um, It was exciting when I did. And then I had to kind of really consider. Yeah. 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 Do I? Knuckle down. Yeah. And I, so I called my counselor for my um, credential program and I was like, I'm not going to, Yeah, I'm not going to finish this. So (laughs) yeah, you can withdraw me. And he was very understanding. And he, when I got on the board, he actually sent me a very nice text and was like, congratulations, you're going to do great. That's awesome. So educators being guardian angels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that should be the theme of our education system. But I think you are, you know, you've become now in your role on the board, a guardian angel too, because you have to be, I mean, being a board member is kind of a a thankless job. You know, it's one of those jobs, kind of like being a teacher where you, you don't get a whole lot of thanks or praise or, you know, you often get more of the, you're doing everything wrong or, you know, I don't agree with this decision or what have you, but you know, you're looking out, you're caretaking for the whole school district. And I I think you're doing a really good job. Thank you. You know, I think it's just uh, to close out the point, I grew up in a small town out here too. And I remember our teachers or, you know, people at our church or wherever who traveled, you know, we traveled to LA. That was pretty much it. And a couple of special trips back to my mom's country. But, um, that had a big influence on me that other people, you know, here I was growing up feeling very isolated Producer Doug's nodding his yeah. head because he knows what I'm talking about. And watching the airplanes travel over you, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them going and wondering where people are going. So having people in your life who are interested in other cultures, right. other relations, you know, globalism and everything that's part of our daily life now, we don't really fully appreciate is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, we need people, kids need to see people like you um, to understand that there's a bigger, broader world and other perspectives out right. there. Well, that's something, you know, that a lot of our, our kids, our students have a hard time is the culture shock of leaving Mammoth or mm-hmm. you guys grew up in Bishop, right? Yeah, yeah. So leaving these small areas, especially, you know, for me specifically, I grew up, you know, I'm Latino. Mm-hmm. My family is Chilean and Mexican. Mm-hmm. But I grew up with like more, the majority of my friends were white and I grew up in like snowboarding community and, you mm-hmm. know, up in the mountains and doing, you know, and I had, you know, was in AP classes. So I was, you know, always split in a way that was 
always having to define my culture. And that was even so being both Chilean and Mexican. I had to really define like who I wanted to be because you had some, you know, misunderstanding of what Chile was and Mm -hmm. where it's Mexico and what is all of Latin America as a whole. And it was always having to define and having to label myself, which I, I hate, I don't label, I hate, Labels. (laughs) Having to be like, oh, well, you know, my Mm. accent's different. My Mm, accent, my Spanish accent is different. And always having to, you know, answer to things like that. Yeah. And so then leaving Mammoth, it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, there's such such a variety of people. I was, you know, again, in Los Angeles and San Diego, two very big areas with a diverse group of people. And then even then I was like, oh, my gosh, they're like, what? I'm so small. (laughs) I'm so small in these things. But I always had, you know, my dad and my mom. My mom, you know, moved to the U.S. Mm -hmm. by herself. She's a very, very strong woman. And Mm -hmm. we we did not appreciate that growing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she's very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, her she uses her agency in different ways. And we had to grow, like, had to learn that. And so I always wanted to test myself in being able to travel. And I do not like traveling alone. I'll tell you that. Really? No, I'm not that. I'm I'm like the let's come friends. <laughs> do are any of you interested in going to Italy yeah. or Ireland right. or South America? We have a house. Come come. <laughs> um, and I'm very lucky that one of my best friends is living in Argentina and Buenos Aires right now, mm. and. She is like my one that we're like, we we got out together and we tried, like, it was always our goal when we were like 15 or 14, 15, 16. However, we would always talk about like, we're going to visit Chile together and we're going to do the, go all these great adventures. And we have, right, right. And we have like plans to do more. And that is what you get. And once you leave where you're like, I'm so excited to get out of this small town until you come back. Yeah. <laughs> and then right. you're like this, like, why would you want to leave this paradise? Right. Right. I mean, look, even looking outside the window right now, you're like, look at the clouds and the Sherwins and yeah. all this. It's so beautiful here until you start like getting that little, like after you know, about a week, <laughs> <laughs> then you start planning the next adventure. Right. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, where am I going next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you you said that you grew up, you know, with friends who snowboard and, you know, do all the things here. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do besides traveling, yeah. um, you know, for fun? So I... I think I'm like one of those people in town that's like I'm a master of none. I don't I don't have one particular sport that I'm the greatest at that I like focus on because I have like I partake in all the activities. Right. So right now, like I had friends who were starting like we're talking about ice skating soon because it's that time that you can almost get to ice skate on the frozen lakes. Right. And then come winter, I love to snowboard. I cross country ski. I snowshoe when I can't cross country ski. Yeah. Um. I do. I I wanted to start skiing again, and then I broke my foot. Not skiing, but um, those boots <laughs> are very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. When I I so I need to reconfigure my boots because one of my foot my foot never never Which, settled down. No. It's still it's too big for it now. Um, but I would like to um, start skiing again because I grew up skiing and then, you know, right. did the cool thing right. at the time, which yeah. was switch over to snowboarding, the better sport. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say that only because I'm still very terrified to ski. <laughs> 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 the wind hits you in a different way and you feel like you're going so much faster. Um, but I, yeah, I 
during summer, it's the opposite where you just get to go on so many different hikes around here. Right. Or, you know, one of my favorite things is to peek back, to find a peak um i did that with my sister and my roommate a lot a couple years ago the last couple years we've kind of faltered at least i have well you've been running (laughs) yes yeah i do i do enjoy a good run i just did a marathon out in alaska with that same friend that we were talking about what what was do what was that like well it it was what she wanted to do for her 30th. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to run a run a marathon in Alaska for her 30th. So me being me was like, well, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I don't actually remember, um, and she's going to have to remind me, whether she invited me or not, or I just said, yeah. Or I just <laughs> knew that like... Or it was the expectation was you were going. Probably. The, I, <laughs> I don't know if she would admit that. I think she would probably say invited myself oh. or... <laughs> Or the expectation was like, I'm telling you, so you know, like when to plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we did that. We did it out in Fairbanks. Wow. And our first, um, I remember landing in Fairbanks and we all walked out and it was um, her and her dad who was our cross country coach oh. at Mammoth oh. High School. Uh-huh. And we all looked around and we're like, where are the mountains? Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, yeah. well, we didn't yeah. know Fairbanks was so flat. Yeah. Um, and it, it was... It it was not mountainous, but we did have to go up a crazy hill and go down it, which was worse. But it was so beautiful because the colors had been changing and it was very windy during the race. And so all the leaves kept on like blowing into you and blowing down. And it was so pretty. It's so pretty. Um a couple people who like saw my pictures were like, I didn't when did you end up going to Narnia? Like <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the vibe that I gave off where you're like, it's just so majestic. Were you able to get there in advance to kind of do some training on the ground? Because that's the one thing. My husband occasionally has run marathons. We've traveled to. And I always think like you arrive there the day before. You haven't run the road. Yeah. You don't know the elevation. You know, it's hard. We showed up a couple of days before and um, trained for it. I promised her that I would train for this race because I am... I don't train. I just, I, I like run. I, and I don't do them necessarily off the couch-ish, but I, I just run yeah. consistently. And I don't like the training schedules. It Like, it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, but I did for this one. And only because I did the June Lake Triathlon this summer. Oh, wow. And it kicked my butt. And I was like, I should probably train. My brother-in-law um, yelled at me, actually. He's like, you need to train for these races. And I'm like, no. I'm like, it's fine. Um, but after that, I yeah. was like, no, I need to get on that schedule. And I yeah. did. I trained for it. And so it was very chill. It's, it's different training for a race. I should probably do it more often. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just like running five miles and occasionally like doing a 10 and then being like, oh, I should probably like do a long run here and there. Yeah. Well, I no. hate I hate to say this, honey, but you are turning thirty. It's different. It's different in your thirties. That speaking from experience, it is different. No, I'm still young. <laughs> um, yes. Well, that was something. So when I broke my foot, my PT was Tim Tolson. Oh, okay. And he very much like calmed me down. Yeah. Um, and settled me and was like, you need to actually like be careful and start yeah. taking care of yourself and not doing like not overexerting and not this, yeah. this and that. And I um, was able to train for it and it was very pretty, it was nice that's training great. for it. And so I should probably train for the rest of my races. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I decided. Yeah. <laughs> that is like my wisdom going into my thirties. I should probably train for things or practice <laughs> instead of just going for it. But that's like, I just, I just go for it. That's, I guess that's my personality when it comes to things. 
Well, there there's you certainly, you know, enough to keep you busy, very busy. Yeah. But we had, we had, I know you have some stress around this part of the conversation because <laughs> <laughs> since we've been talking about you coming on the podcast, you've been stressing about this qu- question. So Alonzo, tell us about what you're reading now. And you are, you are in the camp of our guests who read multiple books at a, at one time. Yay. Yes. Yeah. I, I jump around. I jump. Everything guides me to something different when I start a book. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm reading a book called The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. It is really cool. And all the premise is you have four siblings that, you know, the oldest convinces the younger ones to go find a fortune teller that's in town. This is how it starts. And they go to the fortune teller and the whole idea is that the fortune teller is going to tell them when they're going to die, the date that they're going to die. And when you're young, you're very excited about that, things like that. Right. You're like, I'm going to go find this fortune teller. And she does. And you don't know. She doesn't give you the date. And then the story follows the four siblings as they grow up. Okay. And it's, you know, what I've wow. liked about it so far is that it's very cinematic. It's one of those kinds of books that's like, because it spans through generations and yeah. through different um, time periods. Mm-hmm. And I've really connected with that aspect of like, the nineties and then going into the thousands. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have one sibling that's, you know, dealing with the Iraq war and you have another sibling who's dealing with the AIDS crisis and you have one who, which I think is a section I'm in where she's trying to make, um, be like a, a magician in Vegas. And so it's, it's very interesting mm-hmm. so far. I very much like it. Yeah. But because I started this one, it kind of like allow like it reminded me of, Another book, which is probably one of my favorite books, which is East of Eden by John oh, Steinbeck. I love that book. And it's about um, like the idea of like destiny. It's about yeah. siblings too. Yeah. Well, that yeah. I've always liked East of Eden, which I only read because I had pink eye. Because <laughs> 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 it was a book that was assigned to us well, in high just school. Was like on the <laughs> shelf or something? <laughs> no, no, no. We we had to read it. It was okay. assigned to us um, by, I think I was a sophomore in honors okay. English. And I got pink eyes, so I actually read it. Because I usually <laughs> did not read the books um, <laughs> that we were assigned to. I would just close an eye and go for it. <laughs> I would yeah. spark notes it or, or like find a way to write my essays or yeah. kind of read parts that I needed to. But this one, I had nothing else to do. And it turned out to be incredible because it's one of my all-time favorite books. Yeah. But the whole premise of that book is the idea of time team shell. Or thou mayest is what is translated mm-hmm. um, from Hebrew, which is you you get to decide your own destiny. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of with this book, I kind of started connecting like, them. Well, connecting the whole idea of um, these kids are you know told when they're going to die. So do they get to de- decide their own destiny, or how do they? How did that sh- change what they did, right. and would they have died if they didn't know? And that kind of went back to. The East of Eden, where it's like right. you get to decide whether you're good or bad. Thou mayest, you you decide. Right. And so I kind of picked that one up again. But I also like to go into different books and just like rereading different sections or different parts. Yeah. Especially if it ends really well. So I'll yeah. like reread the last like four pages, knowing that the ending is coming, so I can get that like idea back in my head. Well, I, I like that you chose The Immortalists. I will say that I've read it, and I'm, I'm waiting for you to finish it, Alonso, <laughs> so we can talk about the ending. Um, I, I, I've recommended it numerous times, and what you've made me think of are the other two books that I read around the same time it came out that are also about this idea of destiny. 
and sweeping stories. And one of them I've talked about before, which is Rebecca Mackay's The Great Believers, which is about the 80s and 90s and the AIDS epidemic in Chicago. We we talked about that on the show, I think. Right. Another Mm -hmm. one with family and really sweeping, dramatic Mm -hmm. stories and what ifs. And then... um, also, I think came out around the same time, maybe a little bit earlier, Adam Silvera's They Both Die at the End, which got a recent resurgence the last couple of years ago, which of course is about destiny. I'm not going to talk about the books. Some of you may not have read it yet. He also just came out with The First to Die at the End, which made me cry in the library parking lot two weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, But again, it's that idea of youth learning something about themselves that they're not supposed mm-hmm. to know until they're old, right? Yeah. And... Um, so I'm glad you picked up that book and you that's what you've hit on. And I like that you connected it back to Steinbeck too because a lot of people, I wish more people did this. It's kind of what I try to do with my book Talk Fridays is connect mm-hmm. a new book back with a classic book or a book that people may have forgotten about, you know? Right. Um, because there's reasons that those are classics and East of Eden is great. It is a great book. And I feel like Steinbeck these days is getting overlooked, yeah. you know, where, mm-hmm. where some of his works were, you know, mandatory reading in high school, but at least, you know, kids were exposed to his genius. Those Um, with the pink eye, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know that their kids are reading so much of that these days. So I'm glad for that shout out. Yes. No, East of Eden is one of those books, being from California Mm -hmm. and growing up religious. Right. You know, I grew up yeah. Catholic. So I, I I always say I'm like culturally Catholic because I, mm-hmm. I have those stories. And, you know, like the Old Testament, if you read it like a novel, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. They're short stories. Yeah. And, yeah. and they all have like, you know, morals and beliefs and lead you to that. And so he just it was such a cool thing that he did, which is connect his own family. It mm-hmm. was it's like has some of him and his family. I think he himself, he wrote himself into it with his mm-hmm. mom and connect it back to the Bible and do like a retelling of the Old Testament in California as California was becoming a prominent state yeah. and mm-hmm. becoming the prominent state. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to, che- I have to read The Immortalist now. Yeah, you do. Because yeah. we should talk about it. I'm going to check it out. all three of us talk about like, it. Before yeah. I leave here. Right? Okay, <laughs> you check it out and I'll I'm, finish it. Okay. Then, <laughs> I'll put the other books away and just... <laughs> Then, then we'll we'll all chat and we'll get back to you listeners on that. We certainly will. We will also just, you didn't have to pull off and write that down. Right. Um, we'll put it on our website and the Instagram account. Notes. And we do have copies in the libraries. Um, so you can grab it from us if you want. Alonzo, it's been a joy to have you here. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It has been fun. You're really good at this. <laughs> uh <laughs> you know, when you go to, when you go to work for the State Department, you could have a podcast as a side, you know, gig. Yeah, just not <laughs> leaving secrets or anything. Right. No. Please put it out there that I will not reveal secrets as I go through like my security clearance. In, <laughs> I promise not to give away secrets. In, in, the, in the next in the next recommendation letter I write for you, I will write how confidential you are. Please, please do. Yeah, I, I'll make sure to repeat that. But thank you. Thank you for taking so time much. with us thank today. Thank both of you. I have had fun. And thank you listeners for spending time with us today. Um, great conversations around books today. We look forward to you next time. In the meantime, again, you can find us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. You can also contact us that way or follow our Instagram, Facebook, I at uh, blah, 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 O2starved, at O2starved. 
Doug will probably not edit that out, so you're all probably just <laughs> cringing right now. At O2Starred, we'd love to hear from you. Send up your comments and your ideas. And in the meantime, enjoy the beginning of fall slash winter in the Eastern Sierra. And we'll be back. Take care. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.